0: Stories, spirituality, pathways, and aliens. You're here on The Long Road Home.
1: Hello! Hello! We're back!
0: We're back, everyone! We've
1: returned again from our long journey.
0: Yes, it has. It was a long journey. It was
1: long. It was really long. Uh-huh. We, just, we just spent two weeks in North Carolina. We left and we just so didn't. So we come didn't back.
0: necessarily spend two weeks in North Carolina because six days were spent on the road.
1: Yeah, we drove
0: driving with our two dogs, which it, was fun.
1: It was fun. We they had to see the homeland. Our 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 older dog is grew up in north carolina so only, we hit. he's only five he's five and we had to go show him the homeland yeah and cooper our other dog has not seen it at all so that was fun it was cool
0: yeah we got to take him on some hikes and show him around and yeah, yeah but it was long it was a long drive back
1: yeah it was really long <laughs> my and, butt still hurts oh my god seriously we had to <laughs> stop and get a memory foam butt bad
0: oh yeah i wish he was kidding but he's not i just got a bony butt you guys i don't know yeah
1: <laughs> it happens it, Hank Hill had it. Oh, oh no! (laughs) Am
0: I Hank Hill? Am I gonna have to get those little like little uh, butt cushions? No implant. If anyone's gonna get butt
1: cushions, it's gonna be me. (laughs) Let's just be honest here. Let's
0: just both go for it.
1: Might as well. We might as well because I mean, (laughs) well,
0: (laughs) baby got back.
1: Yeah. So we're really glad that while we were gone, nothing bad happened. Nothing strange happened. Yeah,
0: you know, we just I'm, I'm so thankful that we've been able to ease our way into the new year. We really
1: just, just we we put on our slippers and we filled a cup of coffee and we walked outside and it was it was really nice <sighs> to wake up and just for 6 days it was wonderful. It
0: was it was really nice.
1: We really went 6 days with no problems. <laughs> I think that's a record. And you know, it was it was really nice being closer to Washington D.C. <laughs> than we've ever been in four years, and it was really, really nice to see all the happy billboards. So many of our wonderful communities put up along the roadsides across the country. Oh,
0: what? Yeah, just really, it's it's good to see the creative energy. You it's know,
1: creative. That's it's, a word. It's
0: really, um, they're letting their imaginations run wild. And they are, in a way you know isn't that isn't that what we're here for
1: are we human or are we dancers <laughs> those people they are the dancers yeah cuz yeah. they were who Missouri oh man you got you you got to stop selling billboards to those people yeah
0: i think you guys i think you have enough of them just
1: it was it was a lot and just
0: like just like sex sex alcohol sex have a baby have a baby now. That baby from the sex, you must have it.
1: Yes, Jesus loves you.
0: Jesus loves you, church.
1: But also, if you want to go over to Dick and Jane's horny hole, <laughs> it's there if you oh want my. to. Oh my! And I don't know. There's something I do love about the South is how there are very like Atlanta, for example, is like there is that group of people, but there's the whole opposite end. That group of people is also there, and they do not like each other. Yeah, definitely. But they're both there. Don't forget, those red states have big blue areas as well. We're all a melting pot.
0: Hold your ground. Nope. I don't (laughs) know. I don't know what else to say.
1: They're dancers. Rural America, you are the dancers. But seriously, we hope everyone has had a good couple of weeks. We wanted to start by letting you guys know of some of the changes that we've decided to make around here at the LRH show. So, first up, we have decided that we're going to give you all a great way for you to get involved with the show we have decided to make our Discord open to anyone who wants to join.
0: Woo! We're still going to have special roles to assign to anyone who decides to join our Patreon and let everyone know how badass they are and some subscriber-only channels in the future as well.
1: Yeah, we want to be able to interact with our patrons in unique ways and once we have the interest, we're going to begin some sort of chat or meditation session or book club or something every month for our patrons to hop in. So we're going to have some sub only channels pretty soon in the future if we can get that build up and interest. Yeah, In definitely. and I'd we love do. To, I would I'd love, love to have to join a monthly
0: meetup, whatever that looks like. Uh, we're yeah. not really sure right now, but. Um, exactly. I think it'd be fun. So please join our Discord and say hello. Uh, we have lots of stuff on there, like links to our sources, dank ass memes, and spooky stories. We'll post a permanent invitation on our socials.
1: Yeah, so keep an eye out for that, guys. Also, we're going to be bringing you even more content with new bi weekly mini they're going to be nice, fifteen to thirty-minute shorts about things we want to talk about, but maybe they don't fit nicely into an entire episode. These are going to be fun and a little less intense. We're still working on what day we'll be releasing them each week, but keep an eye out. They are starting soon.
0: Ah, I'm so excited about this. I have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, yes, that I just <laughs> I come across. Yes. I'm like, I'm on Reddit all the time. I'm on like weird news sites all the time, and I just get really excited. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to share that stuff with you.
1: Yeah, the plan is pick a couple stories. We both tell one or two, and just see how that goes i already have a few buckle up guys yeah it's gonna be fun okay so it's time if you've listened to most of our episodes you know that a big fear of mine is vanishing into the woods there's few things i worry about more especially living in montana the thought of getting lost is always in the back of your mind when you're outside and as the sun begins to go down those thoughts can become even scarier what if someone or something takes me away from here could that be the sound of a bear an underground beast an alien a mole person even as we think about the possibility of our own demise, we're drawn to the stories of those who did in fact vanish without a trace, and that's what we're talking about today. Strange disappearances, and sometimes even stranger reappearances, abound in today's episode, another in our Missing 411 series. We're back. Yes! It's Missing 411 again. It's
0: Missing 411. Let's do it. I love these. Me too. I mean, we you, you don't. I... I... We, I don't love the fact that people are missing, but it's very intriguing.
1: Someone had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Thank right. you for your service. Oh, God. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, so my stories today come directly from Missing 411, Western United States and Canada by David Politis, whose name we mispronounced terribly the last time we did this episode. <laughs> Emily actually has some of her own, though.
0: I do. Um, so my stories—they are not from Missing Four One One. I actually um, originally found them on StrangeOutdoors.com, uh, which is a really interesting site. They have a lot of cool stories. Well, again, just spooky stories. But yeah, I came across these stories uh, months ago, it was a while ago, and I've been telling all my friends. And I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, I have a story of two people that went missing on the same day, 50 miles apart, completely unrelated, um, but kind of in the same way. Uh, I came across them uh, a few months ago on the the strangeoutdoors.com, which is a super interesting site. Um, They have a lot of different different types of stories. But uh, yeah, I've basically been talking about it for the last six months to all my friends, and I'm really excited to share it with you guys.
1: Yeah, they're actually yeah they've they've fit very nicely into the same vein as the actual missing four one one books.
0: Definitely, definitely. I wouldn't be surprised if David Plotz had already like covered it in some way. Um, he might. I did. I didn't find anything, but like
1: he hasn't tweeted about it. He's got Can M.
0: You know, I didn't check the Twitter, the Twitter, Twitter, Twitter sphere.
1: <laughs> he might. He might have. He really might have. Uh, it seems like something he'd be interested in knowing more about.
0: Definitely. Um, but yeah, uh, do you want to go first or shall I?
1: No, you, by all means. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah,
0: so um, my stories are related in a weird way. Um, they're, they're two separate stories, uh, two people that have lived completely different lives, but they both went missing on the same day about 50 miles apart in a, in a weird way. So um, this happened back in 2018, too. It was only like two years. Two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, So we're going to start with Terrence Woods. Oh, and this happened in Idaho, but we'll, we'll get to that. Terrence grew up in Capitol Heights, Maryland with his parents and three siblings and was a University of Maryland graduate. He lived in London for several years, attending the American International University before moving back to the United States in 2018. He was an experienced journalist who had traveled the world working on documentaries and and television shows, often working in tough situations whilst filming. Um, And I wanted to mention what he worked on. Um, He had actually worked on The Voice UK and Saving Africa's Elephants. Oh, cool. So that kind of just shows like
1: he was- He had some range.
0: Yes, he definitely had some range, exactly. Talented. His father uh, said he had no history of panic attacks or psychiatric issues such as depression.
1: Great. Start in
0: 2018. He was working on the show uh, for the Discovery Channel called Gold Rush. Yes, and that show took him into the Nez Perce. Per- that show took him into the Nez Per... per- oh, sorry,
1: Pierce. Pierce. Uh, it's just I know. Pierce. It's just I know. Pierce.
0: So that show took him into the Nez. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) We're almost sober right now, everyone. Shut up.
0: Um, It took him into the Nez Pierce uh, wilderness. So he was in the middle of nowhere working on this show. Uh, And he appeared to have been prepared for this shoot. His parents were given his backpack that he had left at the site. Inside it were a couple of camera bags, batteries, Sharpie pens, over-the-counter painkillers. So, like, cough drops, hand cream, an iPhone charger, and a three-inch folding tactical knife. Oh, also a stun gun, which... I thought was interesting, but
1: his, they gave his parents just had his backpack. He
0: was they were given his backpack.
1: Oh, OK. Like
0: he, he left it and he didn't have it with him. And that's all the stuff he had inside. But he, like he was he was working on the shoot. It looked like he was pre- prepared for his day. Um, he'd been on several different rugged wilderness shoots prior to this, including Turkey and Alaska. So he had experience in the backcountry and this section of Idaho, but never in the location of the mine. So he had even worked in the wilderness in Idaho, but not this specific location. Um, his friends say that he didn't really want to go on the trip uh, based on his text messages before he left. Um, but they weren't shocked by his comments. But afterwards, they kind of thought it was a little unusual. They said his behavior on the shoot didn't match what was what he was like in normal life. So now we're going to go minute by minute what happened.
1: All right. Let's hear it.
0: So it was uh, October 5th. Or excuse me. It was the fall of 2018. Terrence got a freelance job working for London-based Raw TV, the production company for Discovery Channel, Um gold rush blah, blah, blah. we already t- we already talked about that the shoot required terrence to be in western united states specifically montana and idaho for several weeks starting on october 1st 2018 uh, and concluding in the second weekend or excuse me in the second week of november they were filming the series about an abandoned gold mine called the penman mine located in oro grande oro Grande. Oro grande Oro grande
1: i don't know <laughs> oro grande i'm gonna say oro grande because okay.
0: whatever <clears throat> located in the Oro Grand area of the Nez Perce Clearwater National Forest. The, including Terrence, the crew consisted of 12 people. On September 30th, 2018, Terrence Sr., Terrence's father, obviously, dropped mm-hmm. Terrence off at the airport in Maryland. This would be the last time they saw each other. From landing at the airport to Friday morning, the 5th, Terrence was in Montana. During this time, Terrence was in good spirits, texting his dad pictures of the scenery and telling him everything was fine. At 10.58 p.m. on the 4th, Terrence sent a text to his dad that read, Hey, Dad, just got to the hotel in Idaho. Uh, A couple hours later, so at 12.58 a.m., he sent his dad a video of a serene river cutting its way through a rocky canyon. The text had no locator or words or clues. Later, during an investigation by a Washington, D.C. news outlet, a reporter who saw the video remarked how, how it seemed creepy and foreboding. Ooh. At 3 a.m., Terence called his dad to tell him that he made it. He made it, and he was okay. Not much more was said, and his dad said, "Let's talk more later in the day." The film crew was using Elk City, Idaho, as a base of operation. So I actually looked up Elk City. It's the place that I showed you earlier. It's not like a actual city. I think that there's like a building
1: there in yeah, the middle of the wilderness. It's way out there. It is very far off the beaten trail. Like
0: there's a road there, but yeah. like it's it's. It's it's deep in the mountains. Yeah, definitely. It's a a very
1: rugged area of the mountains in Idaho.
0: So at 5.44 a.m., Terrence texted his father again and said, I'm coming home on Wednesday the 10th. This would be cutting his trip short by several weeks. Remember, we said he was going to be doing this uh, through mid-November. So now at 3 p.m. that afternoon, Terrence's father texted Terrence back, uh, but the crew was already in the middle of its day shoot uh, in a remote area a few hours away from the hotel with no cell service. What happens next is unexplainable, according to the on-site production manager Simon, who later recalls what happens to Terence Senior.
1: Wouldn't it be Terence Junior? Is that right?
0: He told what ha- he. It's say, I'm saying, like he told this story to Terence's father. This is what he. Oh. Anyway, so this is yeah. This is Simon speaking to Terence Senior. This is a quote from from that. Simon recalls. So we were finishing up for the day, and your son was talking to one of the miners. I was in one of the vehicles doing some work when your son told the miner he had to go and relieve himself. Something told me, kind of like a gut feeling, to look over near the cliff your son was at. When I looked over there, all I saw was the radio lying on the ground. I originally thought your son fell off the cliff, so I leaped out of the vehicle and ran over there immediately. To my shock, your son was already 15 feet down the cliff, running like a hare. I've never seen anyone run that fast." At that point, I yelled to the crew to get a vehicle, to get in a vehicle and go to the main road. Uh, I proceeded down the cliff after your son, but he kept running. Due to my professional SAR training, I stopped running after him out of fear he'd further be scared, or out of fear he'd be further scared. So I went back top so topside, and the crew hadn't found your son on the main road. At this point, we found the first house with the phone and reported your son missing. So in the area that they were, he was standing on a cliff um, and as far as anyone knew, he was going to like to go pee off the cliff. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, um, some people said it looked like he fell. Other people say that he jumped, but he was gone down this cliff. Um, and it wasn't a big one. It was about 15 feet, but still that's big enough. Right.
1: It um, sounds like he ran down it. So they kind of thought that he had like, he
0: had like jumped. Right. And then it turned out that he was, they looked over the side of the cliff and he was just sprinting down the cliff into the forest.
1: That's terrifying.
0: Right, but in the direction that he was going, he could have intersected the main road. So that's why people hopped in the car to try to see if they, that's like where he was going. Yeah. But they never found it.
1: Dang.
0: <clears throat> a local woman from Elk City that was with the film crew, Cherie, eventually corroborated the story that Simon told, and local law enforcement stated that she was a very reliable witness. Terrence was reportedly acting strangely and was noticeably quiet. It is also reported that his cell phone was with him at the time he ran into the wilderness. From the 5th to the 11th, a massive search and rescue operation involving multiple counties and law enforcement agencies kicked off. Search crews on ATVs circled the area, multiple dog teams set out to search the area, and a helicopter with heat-sensing technology was in the air. There were also crews on horseback, but search conditions were extremely difficult due to the rugged terrain. One searcher commented, You couldn't even walk through there with all the downed trees and the brush. By midweek, heavy rain and snow in the high mountains hampered the helicopter search. After seven days of searching, after nothing had been found uh, regarding Terrence, the Idaho County Sheriff's Department started to scale the search back. In an interview, the local sheriff said that the guys working the SAR operation will tell you Terrence was not in the area that was searched. Uh, They determined that he slid down the bank and made it to the road. After that, they don't know where he would have gone. Um, they said if he was hurt or injured, they would have found him. And if he had done something fatal, the dogs would have found him. So basically they think that he was picked up.
1: He just wandered off with someone.
0: Yeah. Either with like hitched a ride or something happened. Yeah. But yeah, he wasn't in the forest. Uh, However, another officer said that he was shocked that he would be able to get out of the area. The forest floor is thick with deadfall, with deadfall lodgepole and Douglas firs. Uh, the officer described it as trying to run through a giant pickup sticks with some parts so thick that with deadfall, that your feet would never touch the ground. Search teams also found no prints in the fresh snow with no indication whatsoever that Terrence was ever there.
1: Strange. So yeah. this is, like many of the other stories we've covered in Missing 411, there was a, a weather event almost immediately after he vanished.
0: Exactly. Um, there are some theories of foul, foul play, some that he meant to disappear, um, but basically we don't know what happened to Terrence. He just took off and was never seen. Uh, never seen again. There's never been any evidence found. Uh, I've been checking to see if there have been any updates. Nothing.
1: Weird. Well, I know that you don't have panic attacks until you do, and I've had terrible panic attacks like that where I've wanted to just run away. That was another. And it sounds theory. like that's maybe what happened to him. I, I mean, you you just don't know. Like, if you don't, if you've never had a panic attack and it happens, it is a very scary experience, especially if you're around people you don't really know, if you're in a strange area. Anything like that can make it so much worse,
0: right? No cell service. You can't call anybody. Um, Yeah, and that's that's one of the theories as well. Is that there was just something that kind of clicked and he just took off. But it's super interesting and also scary that nothing was ever found. Like if you that is weird. If you run off in a panic, don't you think you would have like tripped and fallen or like torn your clothes on something, like something? You know, they didn't find anything.
1: That's really spooky. That's the the reality of people that just vanish. That, I think that's the, like I said, the last time we did one of these, that is the scariest thing to me is that you can just go missing and no one will ever find you.
0: Yeah. So are we ready for the next one or do we want to take turns?
1: No, the, uh, go ahead. These are connected. So you go ahead and wrap up with what was her name
0: connie johnson
1: yeah go ahead and talk about connie because these were close right
0: yes so i i looked it up um and they are approximately 50 miles apart on the same day and it's 50 miles what do they say as the crow flies yes right so um over mountainous terrain but it's really interesting that these these people completely unrelated went missing in generally the same area on the same day so Uh, In early October 2018, Connie Marie Johnson, age 76, was working uh, as a camp cook for Ritchie Outfitters based in Salmon, Idaho. Uh, It's in an area around Big Fog Mountain. It's very remote with no roads and is only accessible by horse or on foot. Connie was an experienced outdoors person and had previously worked as a U.S. Forest Service wilderness ranger at the Moose Creek Ranger Station. She was also a member of the Selway Bitterroot Foundation, and she frequently frequently led young people and other groups on tours of the backcountry in the area. Um, Her friend said she was very experienced in the backcountry and knew how to survive even if something went wrong. Connie was last seen on October 2nd when the hunters left the camp. So, right, she's working at a camp. She's the camp cook. The hunters come and go. She kind of works at the, like, camp. She's the cook, yeah. (laughs) She's the cook at the camp. It's
1: her whole job is to stay there and cook for them.
0: Right. According to County Sheriff Doug Giddings, the next day, the hunters had radio contact with Connie, but they were unable to understand what she was saying as the radio transmission was weak. When they returned to the camp on October 5th, Connie and her dog, Ace, were gone. A large search with searchers on foot and tracking canines was quickly deployed, along with an aircraft deploying uh, FLIR technology from the U.S. Air Force, the Idaho National Guard, and the Clearwater County. Clearwater County Backcountry Helicopter Rescue Team.
1: So they were all in. So they, looking they for went, this went. They went
0: all in looking for for Connie Johnson like immediately. Chris Adkins, a former colleague, says it's reconcilable. You know what everyone is dealing with with this because, like you said, this isn't the this isn't some Pilgrim's First Rodeo. This is a woman who spent literally the last twenty five years of her life, most of them on foot in the wilderness alone doing her wilderness range work. And if there's anybody that has a skill set that positions them to beat this, it's Connie. But no trace of Connie was found, and the search was ended on October 16th. Damn. This is crazy. Three weeks later, the dog, Ace, turned up at the Moose Creek Ranger Station, around 15 miles from the camp. Unfortunately, he wasn't with Connie. The dog was examined, fed, and then taken out to search for his owner, but to no avail. Weird. Right? So, in an oral history Johnson recorded for the Selway-Bitterroot Foundation, she talked about her experience in the backcountry after relocating from Iowa years before. So, this is a direct quote from Connie: "I don't really remember being afraid of anything. I'm a spiritual and faithful person, and I kind of, and I kind of gave over my life to you know, there's God taking care of me, and I know that. But I did learn to, and I don't remember being fearful. There were lightning storms, and there were creek crossings, and there were lots of challenging things physically." But I'm naturally an impatient person, and this taught me, since I was by myself, to be very careful about where you put your feet. You know, Connie, if you get hurt, there's no way anybody's going to help you. You're on your own. So it taught me to plan ahead about how I would negotiate this or that, or how, how I would deal with water supply or bee stings or that kind of thing. I just love being in that place so much. It just took care of me, you know? It's a pretty overpowering feeling to look up into those hills, and especially being a flatlander like I was. I still am in awe of the power of those mountains and the power of the weather and the creek and just the sheer and just the sheer hugeness of it and the fact that we're not in control of anything.
1: Yeah. So she's not wrong. It is very strange that someone that has been in the woods for that long, that can happen to them.
0: Definitely. And we're going
1: to talk about another story similar that I have. Sort of the same type of thing. Someone that spent a lot of time in the woods only for something weird to happen.
0: Yeah. So, um, her daughter said she can only speculate about what happened to her mother, um, but she did not believe that her disappearance was intentional. Quote, I think that she was enjoying the outdoors, which she loves, and something happened. The weather came up, she fell, I don't know. But I think that she got surprised. Given the temperature, given the lack of time, given the lack of signs of her, and the fact that Ace is not with her, it all points to...
1: that's End quote. I mean, the thing that's really another kind of freaky thing about places like this is these are huge swaths of land they're massive and it's so easy to miss someone by a rock like you might just be on the wrong side of a rock as you walk by them and then never come to that space again so whatever happened to these people they could be just lying somewhere in the woods (laughs) it's so scary to be i
0: know but it's just like like we know the general like direction or area that these people took off and they deployed like canine units and Heat-sensing technology for both of them. I mean, this was in 2018. This was a couple of years ago. We have a lot of like, yeah. good technology, you would think. you think. But, um, yeah, nothing.
1: Mother Nature don't give a fuck. Ooh. But, I mean, really, though, like it's, it's just huge. It's massive. You can p- even point in a direction. It's like that woman that was on the AT. She starved to death. She was 30 yards off the trail. How, oh. like, it happens. Oh. And... The the realness of that is terrifying. Yeah, or Maybe they got abducted. Maybe. Maybe they hit a time portal.
0: Maybe there's a freaking portal. And yeah, they just I mean, kind of fell through. You know, so it was interesting. There was another guy that went missing like two days later, but he was found. And I, I wasn't able to find anything about what happened, but he literally was within that 50-mile range as well. Weird. Um,
1: maybe an event happened.
0: Maybe an event happened. Maybe there was a calling. Maybe something called them off into the woods. We don't know
1: yeah well that's very strange that those two things happened on the same day everyone
0: my birthday october 5th
1: yeah <laughs> after happy birthday, birthday. After, yeah
0: i drug called my dad that night in
1: 2018 <laughs> we were bowling that was fun <laughs> yeah i bowled in a shawl that night yeah and two people went missing in the woods and never came back also. Ugh. Ugh. well that's, okay i mean those are very strange those are very strange stories I know you've been wanting to get those off your chest for a long time. I do. Now. I
0: feel a little bit better. I feel like I can like start to let it go a little bit. I'll still yeah. be checking checking up on them every month, but
1: Yeah. Well, I see, see that you wrote like all these different theories or whatever. And there's murder, animal attack, uh something that Another really interesting term to me is terminal burrowing. Yes. And just Ooh. our li- when our lizard brain activates and we, we have to find shelter. Mm-hmm. We have to dig in somewhere and you end up under a log or something. Think and- about
0: all that deadfall.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. You could walk over them and not know. Ugh. Because, I mean, the woods out here are, I mean, the, that deadfall is no fucking joke. Like there will be places where you have to climb 30 feet up on trees to get to the other side. Right. Like that are laid down, obviously. Right. I guess you could fucking climb a tree if you wanted to, but that's stupid. <laughs> um, you just don't realize how dense and hard to find someone would be until you're out in a place like that. Yeah, really, Desolate. Really. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it, beautiful places, very scary, definitely.
0: Proceed with caution.
1: Yeah, but yeah. anyway, the panic in the woods. Like I, we were talking about this on the drive. But in the plains and how you would get like prairie fever just sitting out there with nothing for months or days or whatever. And I could very easily see how just the silence of the woods and the paranoia that comes with sounds and stuff like that could really make you do strange things.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Mm-hmm. Or maybe there is something strange. Like we said, I swear to God, I, I still know. believe I, I totally 100 percent believe in Bigfoot and mysterious creatures that I don't know where they come from, or where they go. But th- there could have been an interaction.
0: <clears throat> Minnesota, aliens. I'm holding back. I want to say things about aliens, but we're not going to cover it right now. We're not going to go there, Minnesota. But that could be it, too. I mean, two people went missing on the same day. It is odd. 50 miles apart. That is unusual.
1: It is. Statistically, it's, it, it is odd. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Who knows what happened?
0: Okay, your turn. I'm stoked.
1: Okay, so both of my stories take place in Montana. This all comes directly from the Missing Four One One book written by David Politis. Yes, Politis. I'm making sure. I'm trying to make sure I say, I'm saying his last name correctly this time. But I think that some of the Montana stories are some of the strangest stories in the book. Uh, the first one that I have happens in the Atlantic Creek Backcountry Campground in Glacier National Park. I really like to focus on the national parks because there are so many people that do go missing in and around those parks. Because once again, vast swaths of land, very little cell phone service. If you don't have a GPS or a compass and you're not in the right place, it's very, very easy to end up totally gone. And no one would ever know. So my first story is the story of Patrick Whalen, who went missing on November 2nd, 2000. And like I said, in Glacier National Park, he was 33. And this comes pretty much directly from the book. And we're gonna sort of discuss what happens. According to David Pilatus, Patrick Whalen was a traveler. He didn't stay long in many places, and it was obvious that he loved the outdoors. He spent a lot of time in land on Glacier National Park and lands owned around the area by the Blackfeet Native Americans. So he spent a lot of time sort of around that reservation area. Those mountains are huge. Those are some of the biggest mountains in Montana are up in that area. definitely. Yeah, gnarly. I I mean, the Rockies get bigger, But I think the mountains here, other than the Cascades, are some of the most rugged places in the country. So Patrick had numerous encounters with rangers and park officials in the year before he disappeared, but there was never any hint that something might have been wrong. In early November of 2000, Patrick's father contacted the U.S. park officials explaining that he hadn't heard from his son and was worried that something may be wrong. The park had not recently contacted Patrick, but stated that they would keep his name on file. So the next part is very strange to me. Patrick was seen on November 2nd driving his truck on U.S. Highway 89 near a place called Kiowa Junction. Patrick hit a deer. The witnesses in the area saw Patrick pull a pillow under the deer's head, place a blanket over it, and then leave food near its mouth. It appears Pat- What? Yeah. And okay, then sorry, I'll hold back my reactions. Well, <laughs> it appears then that Patrick abandoned the truck and left a backpack in a glacier. It is unclear from the reports if the truck was in operating condition. It was towed by the orders of local police and was impounded on the 3rd. So he he hit that deer, he did that, and then he just left. Oh, that's very unnerving. so
0: weird. That's so it's scary. Can so you imagine unsettling. witnessing that? So like, okay, I'm sorry, we just gotta like, you're... So, like, was it a populated area that he was in? Because there were witnesses, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, people saw it happen.
0: So, like, you're maybe driving by, or, like, you just, like, you parked the car to take some pictures. And maybe you're walking back up to the road, and you notice that this guy has just hit a deer. And you're like, oh, oh, that's unfortunate. Kids, look away. And then, like, he pulls out a pillow and blanket and tucks it in?
1: I Yeah, that's what, he, that's what they say he did. Eerie. Yeah, and then he just left. He left the truck, he left the deer, and he was just gone.
0: And just took off into the forest.
1: He yeah, I guess he went into glacier and just uh yeah, was gone. Okay. So basically the next several months, no one hears from him at all. Just no contact whatsoever. Patrick's father contacted the National Park Service on in May of two thousand one when he reiterated that he had not heard from his son in the months before and believed he may be somewhere in the park. On May 7th of that year, National Park Ranger Michelle Madland was on a routine patrol hike with a former park employee in the Atlantic Creek campground. She filed incident report number 010079 explaining what she saw in the campground. She stated that she found an abandoned backpacking equipment in a campsite. She stated that she found a tent that was partially falling down but had obviously been there throughout the winter. It was blue, REI brand tent that had all zippers closed with no tears in the fabric. The tent was sealed. Michelle looked inside the tent and found everything inside that you'd expect when someone was sleeping inside, except no one was there. She found a pair of boots, a wool hat, mittens, a pack, underwear, shorts, and other clothing, toiletries, a stove, food, a water bottle, a water filtration system, and a commercial driver's license belonging to who else but Patrick. Whoa. Yeah. The most unusual find in the tent was an empty buck knife case. So Michelle and the people that were with her took photos of the site, hung the food from ropes so bears wouldn't get into it. She... Wrote the report. She had to leave to actually get communications out to the rest of the park to try and get a hold of someone and tell them what they found. So she had to actually leave the area and gather the backcountry.
0: But also, like, what a badass. What a badass lady. Like, she just fucking came in and handled it. She took pictures and then put the food up.
1: Like, yeah. Like, what a park ranger uh, thing to do. Well, better yes. put this food up. Like, I don't want, don't want it. the bears want to, to get it.
0: Yeah. Whoa. But like, I don't want the bears to get to the scene. Like, mm-hmm. okay.
1: Yeah, but basically everything was pretty much untouched.
0: Except and there, except he, there was no knife.
1: There was no knife, yeah. Just the sheath. Um, okay. So on May 28th, additional rangers converged on the campsite and started a search that consisted of an extensive investigation of the site and a comprehensive search. Rangers also found out that day that Patrick's truck had been towed six months earlier and was still being held by a local tow company, and the investigators went to the tow yard and searched the truck for clues. Cadaver dogs arrived at the campsite two days later and searched for any indicators that a human body was in the area. After several hours of searching, the dog handler said he was convinced there was not a body anywhere in the area. And from what I have seen, he has still not been found.
0: Wow. Hmm. So weird.
1: Yeah, that's a that one is just the events that led up to it. I like I just like the guy running away. What clicked in their brain? What changed? In that moment, that caused him to do that, dude. it's really major
0: that you tucked that deer in. I have words to talk about that for (laughs) a second. Like if you, so like okay. So first of all, people saw that happen, and then like he walked away, and then somebody had to come and tow the vehicle. At what point? At what point was the deer removed? At (laughs) what point did somebody have to come and like untuck and like? I don't know. Like, did it just? That's how many people encountered it before it was moved. That's so strange to me. Yeah, it is strange. Can you imagine it's even with it, like, like with the guy, you didn't even see him tuck it in, but now you just happened to pass yeah, the deer, deer There's just a dead deer
1: in. covered in a blanket with oh,
0: a pillow under its head.
1: That's freaky. It's very strange. It's unnatural. But
0: then he clearly had been making, like, he went, he took off and survived for a minute, like, for a hot second. He was doing it. I mean, yeah. we don't know that he died because there, there's doing no something. evidence that he died. But like, wh- yeah, he, he was living out he there.
1: Apparently, I mean, he made it in, and he had set up a, a tent. He and, was
0: functional enough to do that.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the plan was after he got in there, but uh, Pil- uh yeah, Palitus. He, he wants to believe that something happened, and honestly, it's not a bad theory, that something happened outside the tent, and that's why the buck knife's gone, is he heard something, he grabbed the knife, and he left the tent. Yeah. And that's why everything else is still there. Yeah. Whatever happened outside of the tent is what happened to him, and Ooh. who knows what it was. And it, there was no blood. There's not, I guess, I feel like they would have seen something. There would have been some, human sort remains. Of torn yeah. something laying outside of the tent, but there wasn't, they never found bones there wasn't a giant bloody scene i guess it was like months I mean, after been months, and been months, and months and months and months so who knows at what point did he vanish while he was there because it had been from november to may pretty much before anyone even really was like i don't know where he's at or they put any effort into looking for him
0: okay but let's say let's say that something happened outside of the tent within earshot right mm-hmm. it happens within earshot he gets out of the tent with a knife they searched the area for hours with cadaver dogs. If there was an incident with an animal, don't you think that there would have been a a fragment of a bone left behind that they could have found?
1: Like, I have no idea. I I mean, you just I think it's within earshot of the tent. Yeah, you know, like I don't know. I think that I guess could he have been carried of thing, off? He's
0: a full grown man.
1: I mean, there's some big ass fucking animals up there. <laughs> That's true. Big bears, bear, grizzly, brown bears are like they're. Cute and they, most of the time, they're not going to hurt a person. But they are t- big animals. But
0: how far would they take a person is what I'm saying. Even if they killed you, how bears, far would they drag bears you? Bears
1: will bury food. That's <laughs> very scary. Uh... Bears will bury stuff that they haven't finished eating or they want to eat later. They will take it and put it in a hole. Uh-huh. Or they'll throw it under like uh, in tree roots or something. I think we talked about that last time. We
0: did. But it's. I still mm-hmm. just, I'm shocked by it every time I learn it. Uh, just yeah. all this is all, it's just fresh every time I think
1: especially living in America we don't realize how quickly a body can just be taken apart and strewn across the land and completely devoured by the earth
0: yeah we have no familiarity with our uh, mortality at all
1: no and so I think that honestly makes these types of stories scarier because we can't it's easier for us to say an alien might have picked him up than it is for us to say he was devoured by animals yeah <laughs> <laughs> How how brutal is that?
0: That's really fucking brutal. I don't Uh know, like okay, but it's close. Like it's weird.
1: Yeah, the circumstances are very odd.
0: I don't know. I you're right. I guess I'm just and I'm just gonna go. No, and I I'm gonna go back to my comfortable state and go. But aliens, we learned more stuff about aliens since we last spoke, you guys, and I want to talk about it. But again,
1: I don't want to like. I don't want to not. I don't. I'm not trying to rule that stuff out. Yeah, but. But it's possible. It's easier for it's us. Plausible. It's plausible. It's easier for me to think that, like, well, oh, maybe there's a time portal, and he went somewhere, and he just hiked until his feet fell off, and he just, you know, sucked into a different dimension than it is for me. It's easier for me to accept that than he just got fucking swallowed up by the earth. Just
0: demolished, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Dust, dust. Ooh. Uh-huh. Okay, what's the next story? Okay, the next one is... uh, hold on.
0: Sorry, I'm just going dust to dust over here. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. So the next story is... A Tale of Two People. Oh, We'll start with William Karamak. This happened in Thompson Peak, Superior, Montana in 1959. William was 55 years old. Superior is also up in that same type of area. Um, It's west of an area called Kalispell. The same big, chunky, rocky mountains are up there. And they're just... It's like in Montana... There are different types of mountains, I guess. I mean, to me, that's what it feels like. Like yeah. down here in the Southwest area, you get these large, dramatic ranges, but it's they're they're like almost thin. I don't know how to explain it.
0: Yeah, well, it's almost like a like a spine of a yeah. range, right? Like you, you, it's like oh, it's almost just like a straight line that cuts across the flat, the flat country of a mountain range, and then you get up north, and I feel like there's just
1: it's like the More. earth itself has been lifted up. Yeah. And it's not like... Which is Yeah, right? yeah. But, yeah. And that's but there's no planes in between it. It's like... Right. You just are now... There's no you're flat in, in between it. You are in them, and they're huge. Like, the Mission Mountains are up there, and they are some of the biggest mountains. Chunky, chunky mountains that I've ever seen. But it's kind of all the same area. They're called, like, the Belts not, that's not the name of the range, but that's the type of mountain. It's called the Belt Supergroup, I think. I was actually looking it up oh. before we started this. It's a type of geological feature, the The Belt Supergroup. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, anywho, William worked for the Fowler and Serval Sheep Herding Company for almost three years. His job was to lead a supply train of horses and mules to the Lolo National Forest to the site of the sheep. Lolo Forest runs through Montana and Idaho, so it's pretty much on the border. Pilatus writes that this was a Fairly uneventful job for those three years until on or near July 21st, 1959, something so bizarre happened that the county sheriff stated that he couldn't understand what had happened. Ooh, okay. This is also, a weird. Also, we've one. been
0: there. We've been to Lolo. Yes, National we've been Forest. to Lolo.
1: Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It is. It's pretty. So, for anyone who's not familiar with like hunting or ranching or anything in the West or any sort of backcountry endeavor, a lot of times what people will do is set a camp up in the backcountry. And use that as a base camp to go further out and do things like get your sheep or go hunting elk or something like that. So they basically were bringing bringing supplies out to this place to spend a couple of days and do what they needed to do. William loaded four horses and two mules with supplies and headed into the wilderness with his rifle and headed to the camp. The sheep company knew that William was en route to their location and expected him sometime near July 22nd, but he never arrived. Walter Eastman was a sheep herder at the camp, and he rode into town to report William missing. He rode the trail that William should have been on and never saw the pack or his supplies. Whoa, So okay. he was on the trail. They were going in the same, like, not the same direction, right, but the same trail. he was coming back you know. right on the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The sheriff at the time, Francis Tomietti, was a veteran of searching for missing people. He quickly organized a search party, and they started to arrive at the base camp. I'd like to pause right here and say that Sheriff Tomietti does not sound like he should be in Montana. Tommy Yeti.
0: Oh, Tommy Yeti! I see. Like Tommy Yeti.
1: We gotta forget about it. We gotta go to the sheep camp. (laughs) Some dipshit lost his way again. Is that good? Mm, No. No. Just. (laughs) just I'm walking here. There you go. So
0: forget about it.
1: So Sheriff Tommy Yeti and Ranger O.J. Esterel eventually found a two-mile stretch of scattered supplies extending along a ridgeline. Everything was littered everywhere. After a continued search, several of the pack animals were found tangled in their bridles and ropes. Some saddle peaks were twisted and some were partly torn off. Further up the hill, searchers found that the lead horse had been tied to a tree and had struggled to get free. Not unsimilar to the woman who tied her horse to the tree.
0: In our previous episode. Yes. Cer- nice call back.
1: Yes. <laughs> searchers stated that the ground in the area was very hard and they could not see tracks. They also stated that none of the animals appeared to have injuries inflicted by a bear or a mountain lion. Searchers eventually found William's rifle in the dirt on a hillside, not on a trail. There was dirt in the barrel, but the gun had not been fired. They conducted an extensive search of the area, but could not find William. Whoa. Yeah. So That's so spooky. Guns there, supplies are everywhere, the horse is tied up, but he's nowhere to be found.
0: And the other animals too, right? They said the other animals were like all...
1: St- Everything was basically still there except for William. Now, here's where it gets really strange.
0: Wait, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: as searchers were still looking for william the owner of the sheep herding company joe Servel went missing from the camp the sheriff and rangers had two simultaneous searches going for two people from the same company at two different but close locations the co-owner of the sheep herding company john for a however you say it stated that joe was last seen at their camp 15 miles from superior after searching for almost four full days william's body was found on a trail in the Bitterroot mountains Searchers stated that it appeared that he had died of natural causes, but no confirmation was given. Uh, Pilatus says he could not find any other information on William other than this.
0: I'm sorry, where was his body found?
1: In the Bitterroots.
0: So, different mountain range? I
1: don't know, and I'm going to look it up right now. The Bitterroots are, (laughs) I mean, that's pretty far.
0: That's far, right? I think. Let's look this up, because I thought that those were... Like, separate, like, far mountain ranges. Let's find out. Okay, so there's Lolo. Yep. And so, like, Bitterroot's down there. I guess they technically connect, but also, in the bottom left corner, I'm just going to narrate what we're looking at, and maybe we'll post a picture of this map. There's Nez Perce. So that's Idaho, and that's where my people went missing. Yep. I know it's, like, decades apart, but still.
1: This is a rugged area. Yeah. This whole area is nasty. And so the Bitter Roots actually run up near Lolo. They kind of, it's almost like this highway, Highway 12, almost separates them. So okay. the Bitter Roots are here, but at the same time, the they were somewhere in this area. Wow. So still in, in he still traveled far. He was a long ways off, it seems like the meme. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: That's really, that's really yeah. creepy.
1: <laughs> but yeah, the, that's all we know about William. We don't know uh, what natural causes kill him. And I tried to look information like up on him. Or... Yeah, the only thing that I found on the internet were weird right-wing conspiracists bringing him up in conversations. Fun. It so was it was a great forum board that I found. You know,
0: was, really, if you go far enough with anything, that's kind of where you end up.
1: It is. Um, and that's that's sort of where William's story ends. But two days after his body was located. Searchers found Joe Serval. He was wandering 17 miles from the Lost Gulch area. Joe was not wearing shoes or socks. An article appeared on July 29, 1959 in the Robazonian stating the following. The 67-year-old co-owner of a Washington sheep company was found wandering barefoot in a rocky western Montana, Montana Canyon Tuesday. Joe Serval of Yakima had been missing since Saturday and in the rugged area where one of his pack train operators was found dead three days ago. Sheriff Francis Tomietti said Serval couldn't explain how he had wandered away from his mountain camp. Suffering from shock and exposure, he was taken to a superior hospital. So both of those men, 15 miles apart, were just gone like that from the same area. Oh. Yes. Yeah, and the one dude had no shoes on, no socks, no idea what happened. He just left. He just left he camp. He just
0: picked up and left.
1: He was the owner of the, this the operation. He he basically lived there. He lived in this camp, in cheap camp. And he was just, like, got up and just wandered off.
0: I'm telling you, man, something's in the water. There's something calling to him. I, There's some, like, voice that's like, follow me.
1: Well, yeah, and then that's what you start thinking about, like, skinwalkers and stuff. And that's, like, <gasps> all this... All that type of lore really starts to get into my brain when I think about people that have just, they know what they're doing, and then they just go, Yeah. and then they don't know what happens to them. It's very, very weird.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. I have other people that I want to talk about. This just brings up so much. Yeah. But...
1: And like, William's horse was tied up. What happened there? What happened to him? I, I just like, there's. Like, I guess you could just say, what happened to him? It's a stupid thing to say, but- the The way that these things happen really makes you wonder really, really hard, and like you just want to know what was going on during those final hours i I know I do yeah. I just want to know like what triggered what happened, why are you out in the woods suddenly without any bearing
0: what yeah like what um what did, switch flipped,
1: and how did he get that off course with a with a pack train
0: seriously he was
1: he was if if w- what we're saying is true judging by looking at this map he was very far south he had just completely gotten on the totally wrong direction and it doesn't make any sense
0: it's the call of the wild
1: oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it's a bob's burgers reference everyone Hang on, it is i was just going
0: to see if it was the if i could get it no it's not gonna i don't
1: know if we can play it anyway oh, bob might the come call after of us the <laughs>
0: I what my what I was just saying was pretty pretty accurate. I just wanted to sing like two more like a line before yeah. I said it's the. <laughs> <laughs> but like right, it's the call of the wild.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I just like I don't know, and like then your brain, like we said, starts to track into spooky things. It could have been a, there could have been some sort of voice that just was the Skinwalkers, I'd really want to do an episode on skinwalkers because it's like. A lot of, I don't know, I guess it's not necessarily what, like, the lore, the real lore says. But, like, what you read about on the internet is, like, they use voices and they try and lure you away. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Or I I really want to do an episode on, like, um, people accidentally stepping into an alternate reality. Yeah. Something like that. Like, like.
1: I'd love to do something. Oh, like I've read stories of people just, like, that. ending
0: up on a path that closes behind them. Yeah. And then they're in this, like, weird place. Like, oh, ah, I don't know. Okay. Just. Yeah, it gets me like nervous and excited at the same time.
1: Well, Pilatus also mentions that uh, some that something happened to uh, Joe Serval that was so traumatic that his brain shut off. Wow! And I mean, he didn't know what happened. And like, when your brain just doesn't just it just doesn't stop unless something like that does happen. Because when you get in a car wreck, you don't remember it because your brain goes, "This is too much for your little tiny body." I'm. It's a, it's a self defense mechanism to keep your heart from exploding because that's why. I'd <laughs> was, our dog doesn't like this story.
0: Charles, are you feeling sassy? Fat and sassy. <laughs> Fat and sassy.
1: But um yeah, you your brain just turns everything off because you your nervous system will overload and like a you like a deer, it'll go into shock and you'll just fall over and die. Yeah,
0: just like we can't handle this. We're not going to deal with this. We're just going to block this out. Yeah. Yeah, That's why. Nope, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) So I was about to go, that's why I can't remember lots of my childhood, but we're not going to say that on the podcast.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, whatever happened to Joe, I mean, there's a possibility. Same thing happened to William. Uh, And Joe just turned it off. He didn't. Whatever happened did not. Yeah. Whatever happened did not kill Joe, but it was hard enough for him to just like totally forget about it. But yeah, that's the story of William and Joe. Well done. Montana. There's so many other Montana stories in here and we'll go over more of them later because this is going to we're going to keep coming back to these because they're strange and we're going to keep finding things like Emily did and we're going to keep talking about them because what is going on?
0: Dude, I have one that happened like 6 months ago. Yeah, we can we'll talk, talk about it later. We'll talk
1: about it later. Uh we'll, we we'll keep bringing up the missing 4 and 1 type stuff as we you know, decide to do it. As we see fit. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Every couple of months or so, we'll, we'll, we, we can't help but like naturally drift back towards these strange stories.
0: But that's missing 411.
1: Yeah, that is our third. Part two. Part, part three, three. Part three. Part
0: three. Yeah,
1: we're just going to start. I don't even know if we should give them parts anymore because we're just going to keep It's just our Missing 411 series. Yeah, it's our series on missing people and strange events. But we hope you enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, and you guys, we, we've had some really great talks and we have some awesome episodes coming up. So yes. um, keep your... Eared the ground is what I was going to say. Stay that tuned work? to the signal. Yeah, stay tuned to the signal. Keep your third <gasps> eye open. Ah, oh, I have to say it. I have to say this before we go. Um, Shout out to uh my girl Gabrielle. She gave me this idea. You guys let me know if you're into it. If not, it's cool. But um, I'm thinking we're going to say our listeners are now officially the Long Road Homies.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> that's Come great. Come
0: on. That's pretty fun.
1: That it is. It's really fun. I'm here for it absolutely that is absolutely better than anything i've come up with so <laughs> welcome homies
0: welcome homies
1: yeah if you want to keep in touch with us guys you can find us on instagram and twitter at the underscore lrh underscore pod
0: and on facebook at the lrh pod you can also reach out to us via email at the lrh show at com. um hey you guys um uh, we still haven't gotten any emails. And you can just like maybe if you send us a hello, we'll send you a sticker. Yeah. I'm just saying.
1: We would still seriously, I want we both want so bad to hear your stories. If you know of a weird missing person story, we want to hear about it. If you want to know about anything strange or spiritual, contact us.
0: Let's just chat, you guys. After twenty twenty, aren't we all looking for yeah. a little connection? We'd love to
1: hear from you. You can also find us on Patreon if you decide that you do want to subscribe to one of our tiers and help us do things like uh, buy new headphones. Mine's getting a little crackle in it. And make the podcast just a little bit nicer. You can find us on there at patreon.com slash the LRH podcast. And thank you to Jessica for being our very first patron member again. I hope She's someone, a true homie. Yes, she is a true homie. You guys, go join her. You, if At the least, you can hop on our Discord totally free and you can say hello to Jessica.
0: Yeah, dude, let's chat. I mean, I've been, yeah, I've been throwing all kinds of weird news stories up in our Discord. We have um, all sorts of stuff on there. I'm kind of obsessed with it and let's
1: talk about it. Yeah, we want to encourage a community and we thought that opening up the Discord... To you would be the way to do that. We're going to post permanent invitations on all of our social media as much as we can. If you don't know what Discord is, it's basically AOL, Instant Messenger for Gen Z. Dude, Plus what, more.
0: what if they added the little creaky door sound? Wee? Yeah, and then like the customization. Wee? Discord, get on it. Let's bring back this shit.
1: Absolutely, it'd be great. We Seriously, it's totally free now. Come hang out. We post links from our sources so you can come look at all the weird websites we have to look at to get this information for you. We post dang memes, spooky stories, like we said, uh, weird ideas, uh, all sorts of fun things. Strange you can, concepts. Crafting, stuff like that, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, like we said, also, eventually, we will have extra special patron channels. Monthly meetings. Yeah, book club, something. Yeah. We're going to figure that out as it comes. But... I think that's it, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's everything that we have to say. So
1: awesome! We'll be back next week, and we, we might have a mini-sode. Hopefully, we will. Ooh. And yeah, we're so happy to be back. We'll see you guys next week, okay? And yeah. As always, thanks, thanks for, for joining us on. on. <laughs> 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 oh my god. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Um,
0: we're gonna say joining.
1: Yes, joining. Okay, ready? Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for joining, joining us, us on the long, the long road home. home. Goodbye, Bye. everyone. See you next week. Bye.
0: Smell you later.